you're listening to the Ikra Book Festival 2021, bringing you fresh and innovative content in literature and authorship. Brought to you by the Art and Radio Ramadan 365. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back. First, please allow me to um, introduce our interviewer, Medina Whiteman, um, is a writer, poet, translator and musician. She is the author of a collection of poetry, Love is a Traveller, and We Are Its Path. She's a, a, also a travel guide to Islamic um, Spain, and she lives near Granada in Spain with her husband and three beautiful children. Today, she will be um, interviewing the author, Lukman Ali, whose child uh, literature book, uh, Riding a Donkey Backwards, is uh, the next topic that we'll be looking at. So please, Medina, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks so much, everybody, for inviting me to interview Lukman Ali. Uh, Lukman and I go way back. It's uh, a pleasure to be able to talk to him about this fantastic book, um, Riding a Donkey Backwards, which I've got to say, I was, I read this to my youngest and we were in fits of giggles. And it's very hard, actually, to find books that really make you laugh out loud you know you might have a little bit of a chuckle a bit of a smirk but real laugh at, being in fits of giggles repeatedly is is an unusual thing the writing is very very funny the illustrations are also fantastic so Lukman first of all I'm going to introduce <clears throat> Lukman specialized in the Islamic sciences and the languages Arabic Persian and Urdu literature and cultures of the Middle East and the Indian subcontinent in 1997 he co-founded Khayal, the first English language professional theatre company dedicated to the exploration of classic Muslim literature through contemporary stagecraft as a means of fostering greater intercultural and interfaith engagement and understanding. He continues to serve as Khayal's chief conceptualist and creative producer with his latest work, the latest work at the moment being Edi Means Love, the first digital biopic on the life of Abdul Sattar Edi in English. So today he's going to be discussing his book, Riding a Donkey Backwards. It has had a, new, a number of accolades and awards. In the UK, it was uh, nominated, it won Summer Reading Challenge 2020. In the USA, it was Book of the Month with Read Across America. Um, it uh, won an American Folklore Society ESOP accolade the Junior Library Guild Gold Selection and United States Board on Books for Young People Outstanding International Books List 2020. In the Middle East, it also won the Middle East Book Award 2019 and Picture Book Category. It's been nominated for the CILIP Kate Greenaway Medal 2019 for Distinguished Illustration in a Book for Children and the UK Literary Association's Book Award Long List 2019. So welcome, Lukman Ali. How are you? Uh, thank you very much, Marina. Thank you for your welcome. Lovely to see you in those beautiful, in the, in the nature. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to I had to escape my house because it was too noisy, but um, hopefully this is going to be a bit more peaceful. Yeah, lovely, lovely. So tell us about what uh, led you to writing this book. Well, it's actually quite a quite a long story because it all began um, with uh, uh, an encounter at Shakespeare's Globe in two thousand four. We were um, we were providing a theatre for the Shakespeare in Islam season. I'm sure some listeners or some uh, viewers will have some experience or memory of that. 
And um, we met Sean Taylor. Um, Sean Taylor is uh, a successful and celebrated children's author in the UK. Um, and we had a conversation um, and uh, that was their sort of first connection, which ultimately led to this book. And then many years down the line, uh, Sean reached out to us um, and said, you know, we must do something together and given all of the polarization, um, all of the negative uh, coverage uh, of Muslim and Muslim related issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and we found that we had a shared, <laughs> shared love of Mullah Nasruddin, you know, so that was the convergence points and the humor of this character, the wise fool that he is. And uh, so, yeah, and we met in the British Library. Um, I forget exactly what year, what year now, but it was, uh, it, was, uh, it was a good, uh, you know, a good 10 years later, I guess. Um, and uh, yeah, so we, we began working on this book. It took us, uh, took us a couple of years to, to get, it, uh, get it done. And then uh, we had the great fortune of um, connecting with Shireen Adil, who's done, who did the great illustrations. Um, she's again, another uh, really uh, highly successful and beautifully skilled um, illustrator. Um, and an uh, autobiography books, uh, you know, uh, that Sean had a connection with, uh, we all sort of came together and created Riding a Donkey Backwards. Yeah, I didn't mention actually the, the subtitle of it, which is very important, um, Wise and Foolish Tales of Mullah Nasruddin. So Mullah Nasruddin, I'm sure everybody in the audience, well, most people in the audience will have heard of his name because he's a figure who pops up in so many different cultures with different names and titles and epithets. You know, he's Hodja Nasruddin, Nasrettin, he's, uh, I've heard that in Uyghur literature, he's called Afanti. He even, I've heard of his, the same stories cropping up in completely different cultures. There's a, another figure, kind of a, a folk figure, very similar kind of religious figure who teaches through humor, but through carrying out extra, like outlandish um, exploits that make, leave people kind of scratching their heads and, and also embarrassed, he embarrasses people called the Rector de Valfurgon, and he's from Catalonia. So he's actually a Christian teacher. He's yeah. a rector, and he has his kind of sidekick as well, who's his uh, sacristan or somebody like this, also from the church, in the same kind of fulfilling the same role as, as Mullah Nasruddin's wife in many of the stories. But the same things are happening, and it's being told in a different cultural language, which makes you wonder do you think that Mullah Nasruddin was one specific person? <laughs> well, um, look. I mean, I have I have a book here, probably the largest the largest collection. Uh, this is an Arabic book. This is like a, a huge collection. I mean, I think there's something like um, three hundred and sixty uh, stories of Mother Nasruddin. And he goes on the title of Joha here, right? So mm. now. You, a lot of Arabs will say Johai and Mullah Nasruddin are completely separate. They don't, they're not the same characters. This book asserts that they are the same characters. So I think I think the confusion about around who Mullah Nasruddin is is part of his is part of his magic, right? You know, right. no one can pin him down. You know, he's 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 in Catalonia, he's in Iran, he's in Turkey, he's in you know, China. China. Uh, and and I and I think that uh, that that uh, that speaks to the universality of our of our of the magnetism of 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 of, of humor and humor and, and 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 foolery if you like or foolish wisdom or wise fools that that archetype uh for for all of us yeah it's beautiful as well to, it hints at the 
connectedness of human cultures and how we are very you mentioned earlier about how your work with <clears throat> with Sean Taylor um, was inspired partly by uh, as a reaction to the the polarization I mean reaction is probably not the right word to use there but a way of healing the polarization that we've experienced it's always been there right it's always been there in in the UK as long as I've been alive it's always been there but it certainly started to take different manifestations over the last 20 years um and and I think humor as as seeing it as a form of healing is a very interesting take because we're often we often think of it as being part of literature and literature kind of can get quite pigeonholed in this sort of highfalutin you know uh especially you know you mentioned Shakespeare and Shakespeare was very funny Shakespeare was hilarious like once you can decipher the language he's using some of his tragic comedies were fantastic I mean the comedies of errors and so on and so forth so but I, I wanted to just um make that point because I think it's very beautiful to recognize that we see ourselves and other people when we are when it's, when it's brought together like this when it's presented like this you know that Mullah Nasrin is kind of an everyman a comedic everyman but one thing that is special about him is that he's a spiritual teacher as well he's a mullah in all of these different incarnations well iterations he's a spirit he's a religious teacher right he's a hodja he's an effendi he's a, a rector it's something very very unique i think about Nasruddin is that he's teaching religious truths spiritual truths through humor what do you what do you what's your take on that well i think um I think that he that is that 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 shows a deep understanding of the human condition, and that shows uh, that he has he 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 obviously on the, he has a self knowledge uh, that gives him a window into uh, the nature of of his audiences um, and to and into humanity, and that's why I think he that's you know, and that is his universality is that he's bringing together humor, wit. Um, and he and 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 you know the thing about his humor humor is he's happy to be uh, to be sent up basically. Yeah. <laughs> he's happy. He's, you know he's happy to be a fool. You know, and that 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 takes humility, right? You know, a lot of a lot of a lot of religious teachers get so stuffy. They're not fair to be, you know, sent up and you know uh, lampooned or even you know, he lampoons himself sometimes. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I think um, I think yeah, and 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 that's why that's that's why he's still around and that's why he's everywhere, you know, and uh, so yeah, yeah. There's something very endearing. I think I love what you mentioned there about how he's happy to be lampooned. It's something that you find very, it's sadly rare, right? Like to find people who are, who have a certain kind of standing who are happy to be made fun of because we're so used to, you know, and of course we have to have respect for people of, of knowledge and, and scholars, but it's very unusual to find somebody who's happy to put themselves in that situation, right? I wanted to read it. I think we should read a few of these stories because they are very, very, very amusing and entertaining. Um, and it also speaks to uh, the ability to know oneself, the self-knowledge that you mentioned there, and this kind of work on one's own ego, right? Because it's one thing that nobody really likes, nobody wants to be laughed at. It takes a, a very big person, you know, to, to I think, uh, be happy to be laughed at and to be publicly laughed at and lampooned. There's one story that um, me and my son, we just kept laughing and laughing over it 
just going to try and find it. And we just have to look at each other and, and say, you're right. And we just can break down into bits of giggles. I'm going to read this one. It's called, They Can't Both Be Right. One afternoon in the tea house, two men were having an argument. Nasruddin was sitting nearby. So they asked if he would decide which one of them was right. Nasruddin listened as the first man explained his side of the argument. When he had finished, Nasruddin said, you're right. The second man called out, no, Mullah Nasruddin, you must hear me. And he told his side of the argument. Nasruddin listened. Then he said to the second man, you're right. The owner of the tea house had heard the whole conversation. He said, Mullah Nasruddin, first you say one is right. Then you say the other is right. They can't both be right. Nasruddin put down his cup. He looked up and said, you're right. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's so clever because it has the repetition, which makes it very easy to, to get into. And, you know, repetition is a sort of a literary device. Yeah. But he throws it. He'll throw it. It's like a throwaway comment. And at the same time, he's expressing something very, very profound. There's like something hugely philosophical there yes. about how, yeah, you can actually both be right. There's a paradox to it. But, you know, we don't have to just sort of build ourselves these, uh, these boxes or these sort of pedestals of our opinions. It is possible to try and, you know, super, uh, superar, that's a Spanish word, to rise above that or to, to bridge them. Do you want to read one of the, the books, the, the stories yourself from the book? Um, sure. So uh, just, just on that story, uh, you know, what, what I love about that story is that uh, oftentimes we want uh, yes or no about so many things. And often, and, and, and actually, philosophically speaking, we will find uh, that often the answers are both or, or neither. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> so, you know, and it really crystallized, for me, it really crystallized. Uh, I won't go too deep in it, but, you know, if you think about some things like um, uh, even Ibn, Ibn Arabi when he talks about existence, uh, you know, uh, uh, or, or is a human being natural or supernatural, uh, you know, mm. both or neither. <laughs> neither. So, you know, it's it, it, incredibly, incredibly profound. And what's, what's quite amazing is, these stories are really good for getting those types of profound, kickstarting those sort of profound thinking in, in small children. Right, <laughs> totally. Really, they really get it. Um, so yeah, so my, my one is, uh, as we, we are approaching COP26, uh, it's who owns the land. Uh, argument. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I literally just had the book open at that page. I just threw it by accident into my garden because I was so excited. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Uh, an argument broke out between two farmers. There was a patch of land between their farms and both the men said it was theirs. So they went to Nasruddin to try to, found out, to try to find out who the real owner was. Nasruddin went with them to the piece of land. The first man explained why the land belonged to him. The second man explained why the land belonged to him. Then both the farmers looked at Nasruddin. So who does the land belong to, they asked. The mullah knelt down and put his ear to the ground. The farmers stared at him. Nasruddin looked up and he told them, the land says you belong to it. That is so beautiful. It's like, it, it's kind of beyond funny. It actually is almost, it's almost tragicomic, right? Because it, it reveals how the people aren't listening to the land. They're only listening to themselves. It's such a beautiful, oh my gosh, I love that story so much. And I hadn't heard that one before. I've read a few collections of Mulan Asuddin stories and 
In fact, there's one that I just read very recently online, but it was the protagonist of the story was actually Rabia al-Basri, Rabia al-Adawiyah, and in which she says <clears throat> she's outside in the street looking for her key. Yeah. You know, the, the story is very famous as in Mulan Nasruddin's story. They're teaching stories, right? And, of course, people come out and they look, they see her looking and they ask her what, what she's looking for. And she says, I'm looking for my key. So they kind of help her looking for the key. And then they say, but hold on a second. Where did you lose your key? She said, I lost it inside. I said, well, why are you looking outside here? She said, well, there's more light here. <laughs> and and in the, in the Mulan Nasruddin story, it kind of ends there. It's like, that's the mic drop. It's like, ha ha, <laughs> made a fool of everybody, made a fool of myself. Maybe some people will go away and have a think about that. But in this telling of it from Rabi al-Basri, she actually explains, she expounds upon it. She says, I'm just imitating you. You're looking for something. You're looking for the truth outside where there's more light. But you need to be going back inside where you, actually, where you lost it, where you lost the truth. And the key there is this beautiful metaphor. I mean, I don't, I don't think I can come up with a more symbolic image. You know, yeah. the key, the key to everything, the key to unlock the box, to unlock the riddle. So it's interesting that um, the Molana Surin stories haven't got that sort of, they don't waste time with the explanation. You know, a person who wants that explanation, you can figure it out, right? If you sit there and ponder it, you can, you can get there. Yeah. But it, was, it struck me that, yeah, I hadn't actually spent that time unlocking that, that story. I'd sort of just taken it at surface level and gone, oh, that's a, he's a laugh, he's a crack, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, I wanted to just read one more because I just love hearing the stories. I think we could carry on reading them all day because they're so funny. This one is called What Are You Doing? And I wanted to just also point out the illustrations. They're very, they're very clever. Shireen Adley. I, I later looked at her up. I realized I'd seen her work elsewhere in, in a lot of different collections. I think she illustrated the Conference of the Birds and a Shahnameh. I have a couple of other books by her, but this one is very cool because she's done it all with uh, multimedia she's used bits of paper it's like a kind of paper cutout collage <clears throat> with fabric and knitted things things that she's made with fabric so it's really beautifully done it's quite sort of three-dimensional so this story is called what are you doing <clears throat> excuse me Mola Nasruddin was sitting at the edge of a lake spooning yogurt into the water a villager was passing by he stopped to watch and asked what are you doing, Mullah? I'm spooning yogurt into the lake, said Nasruddin. Why are you spooning yogurt into a lake? asked the villager. It keeps tigers away, said Nasruddin. But Mullah, replied the villager, there are no tigers around here. I know, said Mullah Nasruddin with a smile. It works well, doesn't it? <laughs> I love how she's also done the kids this girl's laughing and this guy's actually got a little tiger toy it's very yeah. clever she's got a bucket of water yeah yeah it's brilliant 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 and some tin foil there as well but again it's like a very philosophical question it's like what is causality you know yeah. it doesn't offer any answers but it just puts that question into your head yeah 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 very true yeah lovely lovely story lovely story yeah um yeah, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm feeling particularly stressed, uh, I will pick up Mullah Nasruddin <laughs> as a sort of antidote to it and, to, and for a source of levity. And uh, it's, 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 it, works, it works a dream, really. Yeah. 
the levity aspect of it i think that's very that is very healing i think for our times it's something really important to uh to bear in mind especially when we are talking about actually about anything really having a bit of a sense of humor in anything is is helpful but i think when it comes to um faith and and religion it's often something that's very very overlooked and i'd love to explore that a little bit more with you if you like um <clears throat> i've heard that when you laugh your 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 thoughts stop for a moment there are a few ways that thoughts stop like sneezing and all these kinds of things and your, your brain can just kind of freeze for a moment it's almost like a sort of a zen koan you know a question that doesn't really have a clear answer it, it stops the mind uh, what, how do you feel about that in terms of the way where we're at at the moment our minds are very busy right we're kind of constantly bombarded we're living in the age of information we have access to so much info so much data and so many answers i'd love to hear what you think about the usefulness of of not having the answers or just asking questions yeah i think um so you know we we, we can laugh at in many different contexts at many different things for many different reasons and uh, i think for me the magic of mullah nasruddin is he's getting you to laugh on an open question often uh, which means that you have to stop and you know it's a it's, it's a it's a it's a slightly different laugh for me it's a it's like um uh there's a lot of silence in it underneath it um mm. because you're provoked to thinking and and it, and it freezes you in when in ways and oftentimes you know one of the things when we're doing these um uh when we're doing these we're doing these performances in communities a lot of people are very not used to Mulan Asuddin. And, his, mm. and 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 it takes it takes like a good ten minutes of doing like seven stories to, to people people's minds to switch over right to where mm. he's coming from. It's a very different place. So I think um, so. I think there's almost a a, a double um, uh, I don't know a, a, a double sort of uh, effect of it of that what you're talking about of the thinking stopping mm-hmm. um, and uh, and the thought provocation process and a sort of it's almost like mind twisting, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I I, I see that as a as a really really uh, really really valuable because um, because it, it forces you to shift perspectives, to 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 jump paradigms, mm. um, and uh, and children love it. Uh, I, I don't take a little bit longer, especially if they're not used to him, <laughs> because because the genre of humor that they're used to is very you know, comes from a you know often not always but often comes from a very uh different place so we love we love we love that sort of that that provocation that Muller, you know can be quite incendiary sometimes because you're actually uh throwing things th- throwing things at people which are unexpected or actually which actually ask, actually challenged them as to what is humor <laughs> itself right. you know so it's challenging <laughs> in lots of ways sorry go on <clears throat> And I, I'm just, I'm just uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably giving very more than answers to your questions. <laughs> more but, questions uh, than answers. But, uh, That's good. I, yeah. I like that. I like that. <laughs> I was just, as I was asking that question, I was like, God, I'm just asking him to think more about a topic about not thinking. <laughs> it's almost more valuable to just sort of not say anything and just let the stories speak for themselves. <clears throat> Do you, would you like to read another one? I'd love to read more, but if you want to read any in particular. Um, Go ahead. Do I have? Yeah, um, this is a one, one, another one of my favorites. A nice steam bath. Uh, 
Oh, yes, I love this one. <laughs> Nasruddin decided to visit the local hammam to have a nice steam bath and a massage. A large man took the mullah inside the hammam, but he didn't look after Nasruddin very well. The water was cold, the towel was small, and the massage was short. Nasruddin wasn't at all happy, but as he was leaving, he gave the large man an extra 10 coins. It was a very generous tip. The following week, Nasruddin went to the hammam again. The large man was there, and as soon as he saw Nasruddin, he led him to the finest bath. He gave the mullah a big warm towel. He gave him a long massage with the most fragrant oils. This time, Mullah Nasruddin was very satisfied. And as the mullah got ready to leave, the large man waited. He was expecting an even more generous tip. But Nasruddin left just one small coin. It was a very small tip. The large man looked disappointed. So Nasruddin explained, this coin is for last week, he said. And last week's coins are for this week. <laughs> I love that one. It's yeah. so good. And it's brilliantly illustrated. That one is particularly funny. She's managed to capture the expressions there. Yes. I, don't, I, I almost don't want to analyze it because it's just, it's so brilliant <laughs> just to listen to that, let it sink in and just let you go. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. perfect. <laughs> it is really how, how, you know, we're talking about expectations rather than reality. Okay, I'm going to read one as well. Okay. Who's move? Because I think we've got about uh, eight minutes left. So I want to pack as much of these stories because they're just so brilliant. <clears throat> this one I'd never actually heard before. One afternoon, a robber broke into Mullah Nasruddin's house. The robber stole everything he could carry. He took a carpet. He took the best cooking pot. He took a stool. He took the Mullah's favorite cushion. Then he walked away. Nasruddin came home just as the robber was leaving. The robber didn't see him, and Nasruddin decided not to shout or say anything. Instead, he followed the robber down the road. He followed him round the back of the tea house. He followed him all the way to the other side of the village. Then, when the robber arrived at his own house, Nasruddin followed him inside. As the robber put down the stolen things, Mullah Nasruddin got into a bed. What are you doing? asked the robber. My wife and family will be joining us in the morning, Nasreen told him. Then he pulled up a blanket and he pretended to go to sleep. What do you mean? asked the thief. Well, Nasreen replied, I thought we were moving to your house. <laughs> I love it. The illustrations as well are so brilliant. I don't know if you can see she's put beads instead of dates in the date palm. And a little, an actual roll of carpet that the thief is carrying away. I find it so brilliant because he stays completely cool. This, I think, is this is part of his charm, isn't it? He just doesn't get flat. He's not. He's unflappable. Yes. Like whatever the situation, yes. he's just. He's got an answer for it, but it's not the answer that people are expecting. Yes, yes. I'm sure you remember him, him sitting in the in the coldest of nights on a hill, uh, completely unflappable. <laughs> you know, watching watching a candle flick flicker in a window about you know half a mile or a mile away. <laughs> And, uh, you know, yeah, that's, uh, uh, yeah, he tells us so much, shares so much. I want to hear as well about your performances. You mentioned a little bit earlier about performing to people because it's, it's a very different kind of theatre that people are, at least those of us who are living in the West, in Europe or wherever, um, we're not used to this kind of, I guess it's folk theatre. How would you describe it? Um, 
it's difficult because we do so many different types of things. So, I mean, you know, over, you know, it's our 25th year and, and over that time we've had different ebbs and flows and, you know, we've done some issue-based work, which was very contemporary and cutting mainly for young people. And then uh, a lot of our work is sort of literary because we are, we are exploring um, Muslim literature um, from, all, from all over. And then some of it is very much folk because we're working with folk tales. So I think, I think, I think we sort of move in and out of different types of um, um, genres, if I can use that word, Lucy here. Um, and, uh, but, but all of it is really around um, uh, humanitarian, uh, humanitarian value tales, or if you like, wisdom tales. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much what we do. And, um, and, you know, we've, with Mullah Nasruddin, we've had to think about how we present him. So we've, we've actually created some stand-up routines <laughs> with his, with his, with his short ones, right? So, you know, you do it, we do it nonstop sort of, uh, high velocity, seven anecdotes from Mullah Nasruddin on the go. And y- you can just see people's, you know, becoming, <laughs> you know, disoriented and, you know, trying to find, find out what's happening to them. <laughs> But um, but yeah, so um, you know that's that's uh, that's nature. Well, we work with Rumi. I mean, I think we were the first people, sort of professional theater company in the West to to, to adapt step the tales of Rumi, um, of Saadi, of Jami. Um, we've worked with the story of Ibn Khaldun. Um, our most recent is you know you mentioned kindly the the story of Abdul Sattar Idi, uh, which we actually just released um, in in conjunction with Alchemia for people who want to see it. Um, which is a, a, a fantastic, very moving tale, a story of a, a real life character, more contemporary than what we're usually working with, um, who was based in Karachi, in Pakistan. So, yeah. That's wonderful. I'm, I'm so pleased. A few times I've managed to catch some of your performances and they're, they're so warm and inviting and you create this beautiful space with the rugs and the kind of the backdrops it feels like you've walked into a kind of another world, but also a very familiar world as well. You feel welcome. And I, I love that about, what I love about Mullah um, Nasruddin, and I think it's very well suited to your style of work, is that it is very, it's very intimate. It has a feeling like the, the punchlines, I love the, that you mentioned the stand-up comedy because they are very joke-like. Some of these stories, they're very kind of, it's like a repartee really of somebody kind of like rattling off sort of short stories with, with punchlines that, but normally people, would not need to process those jokes very much these are the sort of things that they really the punchline takes place inside people there's a little explosion that goes off somewhere quite on quite a deep level of their awareness of their sort of their sense of who they are and their 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 ego I guess you could say as well it gets there's a little kind of prickles that take place sometimes like oh do I do that oh is that me or there's all these little things that are sort of happening inside people and then I think What's, what's interesting is what happens afterwards, right? Those stories are like little catalysts. And then you have to wait and see what is gonna, what's gonna come. Speaking of which, what do you think is next for Khayal Theatre? Well, we are, we are working, um, uh, our team, uh, Sean, Sean Taylor, uh, Shireen Adel and ourselves, we are thinking about next, uh, more books. <laughs> so, uh, uh, it's too early to say at the moment what it will be, but uh, we have a few ideas that we're working on. Um, so that's that's what we're doing on publishing. Um, and um, at the moment, we're we're after the pandemic, we're back on the road touring. So I'm a bit I'm a bit tour, sort of you know we we, we I think this 
October, we would have done something like 12 shows in various places. So it's really heavy going on at the moment. Um, and that's a lot of that from our repertoire. Um, we have, you know, a number of things we're working on. Uh, we're working on another biopic, um, very interesting one, <laughs> which I can't say much about. Oh, okay, <laughs> top secret. But uh, but yeah, it's a it, it's 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 one of the it's one of the probably very uh, you know one of the legendary characters of more recent, say, in the nineteenth century uh, um, figures. Um, and uh, we're still working on our, our coffee production, which is a really big, uh, large-scale thing. But looking at the story of coffee and the seventeenth oh, wow. century and how it how it came to go from the uh, from Yemen, the, well, Ethiopia and Yemen, right? Yeah, yeah, but more so, more, more how you know it, it was it was considered in Britain to be the devil's brew, and then how it became the ubiquitous driver of the enlightenment and industrial revolution you know wow it was mohammedan bean and uh and through various you know uh developments you know it was outlawed by uh by 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 the crown and then they had to rescind that 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 uh, that edict and allow it to be consumed and anyway it's rolled in generating you know the free press and generating our conceptions of liberal democracy and all that kind of thing so that's a bigger project that we're working on uh, hopefully in the next two or three years we'll be able to get it out there for people that just sounds so fascinating i've been reading a lot about this lately so i'd love to catch up with you another time about this it's a really fascinating story and one that i think the muslim world has a very large stake in because it was really Hajj, right? It was when coffee went from Mocha to, to Mecca and Medina, and then it yes. got taken to Turkey and to India, and all these amazing stories and legends of very similar characters to Mullah Nasruddin. But anyway, I think yeah. that's that's a conversation for another time. Maybe the next, I'd love to interview you about that when that comes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Lovely, 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 be lovely to do that with you, Medina. Thank you. Thank you so much for talking with me today, Lukman. It's been a really fun, hilarious conversation, actually. And I wish you absolute best of luck with everything you're doing next. Thank you very much, Melina. And best wishes to you and all your fantastic work in music and in publishing and so forth. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much both for such a beautiful um, interview. And I have to be honest and say, I actually barely laughed my way through the stories. They were absolutely brilliant. For more podcasts, search for RR365 wherever you get your podcasts.